Ali no. B is was also a juror on the show, as well as Mark uh, as well as Mark Rutte. No, <laughs> <laughs> Ali, fake news. Yeah, fake news. It's Friday, December the 9th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Darach, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Bohemian Grinch, and with me today is Paul Peters, the 14th, Master Student in Civil Engineering and the Delsa Bellingcut. <laughs> 14th, yeah. Uh, I, I gave is, you two job titles this week, Paul. I, I see so, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a reference to this to this obscure German prince who orchestrated a coup d'etat in, in Germany and was... Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, prevented in doing so by I, I believe uh, three thousand uh, police officers in total or something. Yeah, um, I think they, they didn't all arrest him. I mean, there were other some of them were deployed to other people. I mean, there were twenty four other that would people be to be. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, uh, um, it's a crazy story and. Um, he is a pretty flamboyant uh, person, so yeah, that makes it also a very uh, uh, interesting story. And I guess um, it's 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 just so such a weird weird story. Uh, th- this group of people that he collected uh, is also like a circus almost, right? It's uh, yeah, th- it is. A b- it's like some sort of motley crew, and it's a, it's a really outlandish um, group. This Reichsbürger movement, they call themselves. Yeah. Who claim that the German state, uh, the, 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 the founded in 1949 after the end of the Second World War, is not a legitimate state, and they they claim to be the the true inheritors of the of the of, of the German. They want to reestablish the the Second Reich, not even the Third Reich, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, on a fourth so, Reich, yeah, yeah. Uh, they want to establish a fourth Reich with, yeah. uh, uh, I believe, d- did they want to reinstall the Kaiser? Uh, I believe that was the idea, wasn't it? He he was supposed to be um, uh, the, the anointed Kaiser, the, the, the mm. next Kaiser. It's, it, okay. it, it's kind of weird. It's sort of a mix between the sort of the um, you know the the the, the, the Trumpist January the sixth movement and um, and the gunpowder plot. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of, it is it's, it's overtures of all these uh, trends in history. This kind of weird ragtag bunch of people with with a sort of flamboyant, but uh, actually quite. Um, uh, yes, it's a, it's a strange, uh, charismatic leader um, trying to take over the government by force and sort of re- yeah. and, and and reestablish, you know, the old in the same way the gunpowder plotters wanted to reestablish Catholic rule in 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 England. That the, these guys want to sort of go back to the days before the Nazis, but still have a to have this kind of re- restore this very hierarchical um, German dynasty. Yeah, with, we, with, with, with this family that have uh, where where every um, <laughs> every heir is called Heinrich with, with, with the next e- number, and we're up to Heinrich the thirteenth now. And I think not, not I even think the spokesman for the family was Heinrich the fourteenth. Yeah, so no, well, <laughs> it's 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 even weirder than that because every male descendant is called Heinrich, and right. um, what usually is, what they usually do in a in a in a noble family, uh, the oldest uh, male uh, inherits everything. But this particular family has a different system. Um, uh, every male descendant inherits an equal part. So oh. Heis is uh, uh, subdivided countless, countless of times uh, over history since the 12th century. So there is one branch that has Heinrich the 35th, I believe. Right. And every time a, a branch dies out, then they 
then they divide it equally among the other um, uh, Heinrichs, I guess. Right. Um, so you have this this endless uh, because I googled this guy and I <laughs> ended up in this in this, <laughs> in this rabbit hole of, in this uh, Wikipedia yeah, rabbit hole yeah. with endless yeah. Heinrichs <laughs> and uh, uh, Heis family members. And the interesting thing is one of yeah. the most um, uh, uh, known members of this uh, family, extended family, is the second wife of Kaiser Wilhelm II, who right. lived in Doorn in the Netherlands, of course, when he abdicated. He was uh, he, he was granted asylum in the Netherlands and his second wife was a Heiss um, uh, uh, family member. So I think that is, I guess that's where he claims his legitimacy because, you know, he is just an obscure German noble family. Mm. He, he, he doesn't have any claim to the to the imperial throne, of course, but I guess this is this is his connection. Yeah. Um, but it's a very, very strange story. And yeah, if you have nothing to do on a rainy uh, Friday morning, then I suggest uh, dive into this rabbit hole and um, yeah, you will you will see all sorts of uh, flamboyant German princes uh, coming up. Yeah, it um, is an enthralling uh, tale. Now, and the fact that there were um, former politicians for the uh, for the German AfD, the Alternative for Deutschland, the far right party, and uh, I think a former judge as well was among these people. Yeah. I mean, these, some of these were quite high ranking. Um, people from uh, for, for in, in political life. So yeah, and and, and, and these raids were carried out in yeah. Germany, Austria, Italy, and there was a Russian involved. And you know when these four yes. land, land <laughs> these four countries uh, uh, group together, then you yeah. know uh, <laughs> nothing yeah. good is coming. Things out of tend that. to kick off. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. end well. Yeah, yeah. Shall yeah. we go to uh, my second? We should uh, go to your other job title as well. Uh, yes, since, since we mentioned Russia, because uh, the, the, yeah. The, the, yeah, the, the, this was very uh, very briefly somebody putting up um, uh, a picture Fake that claimed news. to be rebuilt Mariupol, but actually yeah. wasn't. And I was impressed with how quickly you managed to um, debunk this uh, this myth. So, 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 so tell me how you went about it. Well, it's there is nothing impressive uh, about <laughs> right. it actually, because I just grabbed that that image. I re- uh, reverse Google search image, or how, how is it actually yeah, you called? Did Google reverse image search yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, it popped up that it was uh, uh, um, um, a certain um, neighborhood under construction in uh, what was it Saratov uh, yeah, Saratov, Saratov, yeah, yeah uh, which is the also the place that was uh, attacked by well uh, it seems to be was attacked by Ukraine last week oh, okay. where, where the Russians had one of their air bases yeah oh Wow, that's that was quite deep into 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 Russia. I, I thought. So yeah, that, just kind that's of south of Moscow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was a neighborhood in Saratov, and then I uh, went to Google Maps. I found the uh, very distinctive football field, which was uh, uh, which was depicted, and yeah. yeah, I just screenshotted it, and yeah, it was done in within a minute, I think, or two. <laughs> so no, yeah. it's um, there's nothing impressive about this, or there's nothing impressive about Bellingcat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> choose what you want um, um uh, so no yeah i uh, but yeah obviously this did this didn't uh uh, uh, convince this person uh, of uh, deleting uh, his or her fake news because not. it was yeah. this yeah. Uh, typical uh, first name bunch of numbers guy and uh, yeah it's uh, very uh, it's always very ironic that the people who are complaining most about so called fake news are the ones that are spreading the most fake news uh, yeah. isn't it so and, and the people who always say do your own research when you yeah. actually do your research and you expose their nonsense so they, they, oh. they, they, they still don't accept it yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and, and your job title? Um, yeah. Well, what, what this is it? just. Oh yeah. 
of course, top 2000 related. It's just okay. my ongoing campaign to start the your top rant 2000 again. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so, so start yeah, to the, the, the next top 2000 rant. This is the latest in a series that will go on for the rest of the month. Dutch voters this week have uh, voted for, have been voting for uh, the top 2000, which is the end of year poll of the 2000. Um, everyone's uh, favorite songs of all time, which they then, then play in reverse order up until New Year's Eve. And um, this year, uh, the, the poll was topped by Bohemian Rhapsody for the oh. 19th time out yeah. of, I think, 26 years that this has been going. It started in 1999. But the great thing is that I, I, I was just amazed because they have this great fanfare and this great sort of presentation <laughs> yeah. of, of, the top, of, of, the top, of the top five or the top ten songs in the top 2000, and everyone knows what they are. It's, it's kind of the least yeah. dramatic, least surprising thing you can have. You know, have this big fanfare, enormous, great big reveal, and the number one song is, oh, surprise, surprise, <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody again. Yeah. Uh, it just makes you, yeah, I just have my head in my hands by this point. Because um, and and then the, the, there's a video on NOS the, where, where, where they reveal the top five songs and of course the, the other ones are Hotel California and um, Roller Coaster by Danny Fira. Yeah. which, which I'm always a- amazed to remember. Did, 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 do you know what? Did, uh, do you remember what year that song came out? Yeah, two or three years ago, right? Yeah, it's 2019. Yeah, yeah so this but you is listen to it, you, you think it's a song that you that you listen to on your way back from the Efteling, you know, when you were in your <laughs> teens. It's got that kind of, you know, it's, it's a very nostalgic song. I don't mind it actually. It's, it's, it's an yeah, okay, okay song, but it's like, um, but it's definitely not the third best song ever. Yeah, I wouldn't call produced. it the second best song of all time. No, yeah, which is yeah, what, yeah. Um, uh, which is where it's been ranked, just a, just ahead of Hotel California. Yeah. So. But at least there is a song from, you know, uh, more recently than 40 years ago in the top five. That that, that, that feels like progress. Speaking of um, misplaced nostalgia, well, (laughs) that uh, does kind of bring us on to uh, a quite spectacular op pair for the week this week. Uh, So take it away. You you thought it was spectacular. I thought it was uh, actually one of uh, more of the same because we we, we, we regularly have this kind of uh, uh, of op pair relating to uh, Anne I think it's spectacular because people managed to make the same mistake over and over again oh, yeah, carry yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. in that regard it is <laughs> spectacular indeed yeah the open for the week comes from a kitchenware company called Blond Amsterdam and they raised some uh, online eyebrows uh, this week with a new collection called Dutch Glory on one of their balls, a uh, cartoon of a smiling and rosy-cheeked Anne Frank is depicted, holding her famous diary alongside the text Hollandse Glory, uh, which means ho- Dutch glory. Mm. Um, and also various Dutch scenes uh, such as ice skates, windmills and uh, fla flips, which is uh, yeah, a typically Dutch dessert, I guess. Mm. Um, the balls were for sale on the company's web shop, but also in uh, several Albert Heijn stores. Uh, many people on Twitter called the depiction of Anne Frank on a very uh, gezellig uh, ball tasteless, and they were uh, joined by Israel Information Center's CD, who said they were astonished and called the choice extremely inappropriate. Uh, they also added that her fate wasn't exactly an example of Dutch glory. Jewish Anne Frank and her family went into hiding in an annex on the uh, Prinsengracht in Amsterdam to avoid deportation by the Germans, but they were betrayed after two years, and Anne eventually died in a uh, German concentration camp um, in uh, Bergen-Belsen in February 1945. The Anne Frank Foundation also said the Bulls showed little historical awareness and empathy. Blond Amsterdam said in a statement they wanted the illustration to be a positive reminder of Dutch scenes and heroes, of which we are proud, adding that it is unfortunate that this feeling didn't come across to everyone 
want that way. Now, is Blonde Amsterdam also involved in the apology for slavery? Because that was one of the most <laughs> pathetic apologies I think I've ever heard. We're sorry that you didn't uh, share our feelings about Anne Frank. So. Yeah, yeah. We wanted to do something nice, which nobody yeah. thinks is nice, and we, uh, yeah, we feel sorry that nobody feels this way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the ball will be taken off the shelves, and all the earnings will be donated to a charity. But it it, uh, it remains unclear which one exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before you just uh, issue this statement, think about which charity you're going to. It might have been an idea, wouldn't to, it? Right? I mean, yeah. they, they, they could have actually salvaged something positive out of this, but they, they, they managed to fail even at that. Yeah, <laughs> just like the ball itself, it doesn't seem really uh, thought through. I have to say. Yeah. Um, it isn't the first time, as I said, the commercial usage of Anne Frank's name or image caused Ophef. Recently, there was a rapper who called herself Anne Frank. There was also a German train company that named a train after Anne Frank. And uh, also remember a bakery on the Prinsengracht, very near the annex uh, in Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, and they also used uh, her name. They called themselves Anne and Frank. And there are countless of other uh, examples. Um, and I believe it is... Trau, who had an extensive list of all the reasons Anne Frank all passed. Yeah. And I will link uh, to uh, to that article. All, in all the kind notes. of Anne Frank faux pas. Yeah. yeah. But it's amazing people just can, can, can keep making the same mistake as sort of thinking that Anne Frank is some kind of celebrity. That, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I also yeah. now come to think of, of this this uh, uh, instance where Justin Bieber uh, visited Amsterdam once uh, a couple of years ago and he said that he uh, would have hoped that Anne Frank would have been a believer. Yes, yes. Uh, which is uh, how the how the group of fans of, of him uh, are called. Uh, yeah. So there's also very insensitive, uh, inappropriate comments and uh, that also caused a lot of opeth and uh, eventually he also had to apologize for that um yeah. so yeah the lesson is here just uh, but but there's also a musical about Anne frank right uh, yeah now come to think of it and that didn't cause any opeth so no but that, also, that was kind of actually about what what happened to Anne frank rather than yeah, trying to sort of uh, yeah trying to sort of, yeah, mistakenly portray her as this kind of it didn't attach any glamour to the story i think that was that's the, right that was but the yeah there are yeah. people making money out of her story that's and, true yeah, that's yeah. also well, so part the Anne of the frank foundation but uh, you know it's uh, being at least that's a foundation and yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah. uh, um, at least we can agree uh, that you shouldn't put a cartoon version of Anne Frank on a bull and yeah. sell it uh, in the Albert Hang. Yeah. This week, Rabobank's dirty laundry gets a public airing, the government's efforts to apologise for slavery get tangled up in knots, Dutch households turn down the heat and tighten their belts, it turns out some cardiologists don't have their hearts in the right place, and we <laughs> reveal the top Google searches in the Netherlands this year. The Public Prosecution Service has launched a criminal inquiry into suspected money laundering at Rabobank. In a short statement, the department said the investigation focused on whether the bank was complying with its obligations to act as a gatekeeper against money laundering and financing terrorism. <laughs> Rabobank paid... <laughs> financing terrorism, wow. Financing terrorism, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Um... Rabobank paid an out-of-court settlement of €480,000 in 2021 after it failed to ensure its anti-money laundering checks were in order. The central bank said at the time there would be further consequences if it failed to comply, and now the inquiry is in the hands of the prosecution service. It's not the first time Rabobank has been implicated in criminal transactions. In 2016, it was fined a million euros by the National Bank for not updating its procedures to monitor transactions and its client data quickly enough, and in 2013, it paid a settlement of 774 million euros 
following oh. investigations into the Libor scandal, where banks and traders manipulated internal currency rates. The bank has said it is cooperating fully with the current investigation and working to meet the central bank's demands. So the Rabobank is an interesting bank because it's not a traditional one. It's called uh, they call it's a cooperation. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if that's a legal term in in in, in English, but in in Dutch it it is, uh, and that means it's basically a franchise. So um, uh, it's a collection of um, smaller independent uh, uh, banks. Um, yeah. Maybe that's not the case anymore, but that's how I remember it. My father. That's how it started, wasn't it? So it's like called a cooperative. So each each individual bank was essentially independent. Yeah. Uh, but gradually, as time's gone by, it's they've kind of become absorbed it's become more centralized mm-hmm. as, a, as an institution well i remember it uh the rabobank still as 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 that old uh, uh version my father used to work for that and um they profile themselves as yeah one of these gezellige banks right uh, they 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 have offices in 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 every small village and uh, everyone who lives there can just walk in and and uh, they, they know the person behind the counter um, um, uh, personally so yep. it's all it's all very low low um, a low threshold bank i guess um and that's how i remember it and then hearing <laughs> that rabobank <laughs> is involved in financing terrorism and uh, manipulating uh, what is it uh, in internal currency rates, currency rates um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, yeah Kind of jars of your image of this kind of friendly, yeah, neighborhood bank. Yeah, that, uh, exactly. yeah there's, there's, there's kind of basically, it was, it was set up to kind of lend money to farmers, basically, wasn't it? it was, yeah. It was, it was to finance mm-hmm. farming a lot of it. Um, but yeah, but it turns out that if, uh, they've kind of branched out a little bit on that. Yeah. And I think the, the financing terrorism terrorism comes back to the fact that uh, all this money laundering legislation is bundled up with uh, anti-terrorist um, um, legislation because yeah. obviously um, criminal organizations, terrorist organizations um, uh, launder money and use money laundering fronts in order to uh, to, yeah, to, 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 to to process their income and um, yeah the, the implication is that Rubber Bank hasn't been keeping a check on whether the money that it lends or the money that uh, that its account holders have in the bank uh, is actually le- legitimate that it's yeah. being it's been negligent yeah, the 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 yeah. bow in uh, Rabo means Boerenleenbank. Yeah, uh, that's what it stands for. This farmers, uh, yeah, farmers bank. Uh, but the Ra is uh, Raiffeisenbank, and that's that comes from from Austria, which makes it already a little ah. bit more dodgy, I guess. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you already listed the number of scandals Rabobank was involved with, but this isn't the only inquiry uh, into Rabobank's activities uh, that were announced this week, right? No, because the uh, the European Commission has launched an antitrust investigation into alleged collusion between Rabobank and Deutsche Bank <laughs> to distort competition in bonds trading. So yeah, the, the, more kind of Dutch German collaboration in uh, do, no, um, in, in dodgy circumstances. The banks are suspected of price fixing and sharing commercially sensitive information about bonds denominated in euros. Bonds are debt securities with defined rates of interest that can be backed by governments or corporations. They're sold initially at auction, but they can then be traded between banks, brokers and investors. And it's in this secondary market where Rabobank and Deutsche's traders are suspected of sharing information in emails and chat rooms in order to get an unfair advantage over the competition. What kind of chat rooms are those? At the traders' <laughs> chat rooms. I, I'm pleased to say that I've never been in one, but uh, I can only imagine what kind of chat goes on in there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the banks can be fined up to 10% of their annual turnover if they're found to have breached the rules. Mm. And in previous cartel cases, uh, the banks involved have been ordered to pay millions of euros in fines. Rabobank told the Financiella Dachblatt it was too early to comment on the case. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm a customer at Rabobank, so I uh, I fear that my rates will go up. Uh, yeah, uh, so am I. So uh, yeah, we'll, substantially. We'll, yeah, yeah, we'll be paying uh, paying through the nose. It remains unclear if the cabinet will formally apologize for the Dutch role in slavery on December 19th. That date was leaked two weeks ago along with the plan that eight ministers will travel to the Caribbean parts and former colonies of the Netherlands to deliver the apology. A number of organizations have written to Interior Minister Hanke Bruinslot urging her to change the date to July 1st, 2023. They prefer that day because it is the 150th anniversary of the actual abolition of slavery after a 10-year transition period. Yeah, so 160 years ago, slavery was officially abolished, but mm-hmm. there was a 10-year transition period, um, which is also heavily criticized right yes. now. Yeah. And, uh, but, but basically so, yeah. because the, 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 plant, uh, the plantation owners, the slave owners, uh, yeah, didn't want to be kind of left in the lurch. They, they, no. they, they wanted to, be, to, to kind of protect their income in the... Uh, when slavery was abolished. Yeah, so. and they were compensated with uh, 300 guilders per uh, freed slave, which was yep. uh, back then an enormous sum of money. Mm. Um, so yeah, it is the 150th anniversary of the actual abolition uh, of slavery. Um, and that day is celebrated by the Dutch Surinamese and Caribbean communities at uh, Keti Koti. Uh, the apology plan was widely criticized for the lack of clarity and communication from the cabinet. Following the leak, ministers refused to confirm the plans, but only wanted to say that something was done that day. Inhabitants of the islands and Suriname also said they were annoyed because they were completely left in the dark of the plans and they were not involved in the planning whatsoever. So yeah, basically they had to learn from from these leaks that something was coming up and they weren't informed um, uh, beforehand. Some also criticized that Deputy uh, Justice Minister Frank Wehrendt is set to deliver the Dutch government's apology in Suriname. Uh, He himself is a descendant of Surinamese slaves and some feel he is not the right person to apologize for the Dutch role in slavery on behalf of the cabinet. Um, it's also said that uh, uh, the apology should be made by King Willem-Alexander um, and not some sort of deputy minister because uh, according to these leaked plans we have all, all sorts of deputy ministers that will travel to, to the islands and yeah, to be honest, they are just uh, 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 some some junior members of the cabinet. So, yeah, yeah. Will, will they be wearing very discreet pins as well, saying "Sorry <laughs> for slavery" underneath the scarf, underneath like the, the sports uh, minister in Qatar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, 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 it, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, and uh, the Netherlands was heavily involved in the transatlantic slave trade. An estimated five hundred thousand people were transported from Western Africa to the Caribbean and Brazil and sold as slaves by the Dutch West India Company. Uh, At its height in the 1770s, slavery generated over 10% of the gross domestic product at Holland. That was the richest of the seven provinces which made up the republic back then, according to recent research. Yeah. Um, And the latest news, I think, is that uh, these organizations are now going to talking about going to court to actually stop the apologies going ahead on December the 19th uh, so that there can be more consultation and what they prefer, which is um, a a full apology on Ketikoti on July the 1st. Yeah, on a a more appropriate uh, day. Yes. Um, These groups uh, had talks with uh, Mark Rutte, uh, Prime Minister Mark Rutte, yesterday on Thursday at the Mm -hmm. House, which is the official residence of the Prime Minister. Um, and beforehand, they already had said that they were planning to express their concerns about the choice of December 19th. Um, afterwards, Rutte only wanted to say that uh, that day is going to be meaningful and that it will also be part of a process. Um, 
probably suggesting that July 1st will also be, um, yeah, something will be organized for that day. Mm. He also added that he understood that people involved were annoyed that they were uh, informed of snippets of the plans by leaks. Um, other people involved in the talks were more open. For example, Linda Noitmeer, who is the chair of the Dutch Institute of Slave History, she said that uh, the date will in fact be reconsidered. Um, yeah. If that's the case, we don't know, but yeah, probably they're going to have to now. Now, uh, <laughs> now this decision is going to uh, be discussed uh, uh, in court, um, and it is, it is also suggested that the whole reason for this date, uh, December nineteenth, is uh, political, um, and, and yeah, it, it sort of comes over as a hastened choice. But mm. um, some people involved in the talk said that um, that could be uh, the reason for that. Could be that um, we have elections coming up in March 2023 yeah. and f- as a result we'll have a new composition of the Senate of the Eerste Kamer and if a new majority that opposes an official apology for slavery takes over the whole apology can be blocked by them so um, there is there might be haste to organize it now to have mm. it done to get it over with before um, yeah an, an, an hostile uh, majority uh, so, so, so to say um, can block that yeah, I hadn't considered that, but yes, I guess if the, 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 if, uh, if the right wing parties, even uh, in parts like uh, Jain Twintig, uh, do well enough, then they they might put forward a motion that blocks the apology and uh, yeah, throws the whole thing up uh, up into the air again. But uh, nevertheless, it just seems inc- I'm just kind of baffled really as to why they decided to to rush out this apology. And you know, having waited 160 years, yeah. kind of the apology, you thought they could have you know, could, could have actually made sure they got it right. And 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 why the consultations seem to have taken place after the announcement or partial announcement was leaked rather than rather than beforehand yeah. you actually have people on board because the whole point of apologizing is you actually listen to people's concerns and then reflect them in in the statements that you make and it just seems that this has been sort of decided by the cabinet um among themselves behind closed doors without consulting the people who are actually been demanding the apologies for all these years in which case you find it's kind of worthless and so that I did had the same I did the same thing with um you know that the, the, uh, the selection of Frank Vervin to give the apology to Suriname, which I instinctively thought might be a good move because you know one of the things about when you apologise is you want to um, express um, an understanding of people's of the pain that people have suffered, and perhaps Frank Vervin is better placed to articulate that pain than other cabinet members. But now I just was starting to wonder whether that was actually thought through properly in the first place. So I don't yeah. know. I think, uh, yeah, there seems to be a lack, as ever, there seems to be just just an inability to listen has, comp- has, has compromised this whole process, which is a shame. Yeah, and um, 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 having to go to court um, over this isn't yeah. uh, doesn't seem to be a very fruitful uh, way to um, no exactly. Now ends up in the courts and, and gets um, ugly, and of course there's another backlash saying, "Oh, it's still not good enough." But um, you know, and uh, I think the the, the 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 argument from the organisations is that uh, you know, this is another case where basically the, uh, the, the the occupiers, the government, the, the white people are once again just basically dictating <laughs> how yeah. things should be, and uh, that's <laughs> which is the exact opposite of what you should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but there's also been news about the royal family because the king is going to launch an investigation into uh, their uh, role in the uh, in, in, in in the slave trading past, right? Yes, uh, King Wilhelm Alexander has announced that uh, a uh, independent report is commissioned into the role of the House of Orange-Nassau in Dutch colonial history. Uh, that's of course the uh, 
the royal family. Uh, we don't have a uh, William the the thirteenth, uh, uh, I believe, in the family. But uh, no. um, might as well be the case. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, with all the Williams we had in that family, um, the report will take over a year to complete and will cover the period from the late sixteenth century when the Dutch Republic started to emerge as a colonial power to the post-colonial present. Was a royal family involved in the Dutch Republic? You yes. say yes, but that's a, a completely different story. It's too so that's complicated a whole to explain hole, now. Got time to go down. Yes. The research team will be led by, and this is, uh, I had to laugh about this, uh, yeah. the, the research team will be led by, the prof- by a professor called Gert Oost Indy, uh, which uh, means uh, the East Indies. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I, I wonder if his, um, uh, if he changed his name or something when he oh, chose his, his expert field of expertise or had he chosen uh, that field because of his name? I wonder what what was uh, going on there. I guess it could be he has that name because he has a you know, he has a colonial connection, and therefore you know, that that was what steered him into colonial studies. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Um, he is a specialist in uh, colonial history at uh, Leiden University. And in November, it was also announced that the Royal Family Collection of Colonial Era Artifacts is to be checked over by experts to make sure none of it was stolen or taken by force. Um, <laughs> uh, Spoiler alert, probably okay. a lot of I, I strongly <laughs> suspect that uh, they may discover that one or two items were indeed stolen or taken by force. Yes, and the royal family have also stopped using a uh, ceremonial golden coach, um, which, was, uh, repeat- which has repeatedly come under fire for a painted panel which depicts scenes of colonialism. That's, of course, the Gouden Koets, which uh, was traditionally used at Prinsjesdag, the opening of parliament. Uh, but uh, since um, an, a convenient renovation, uh, it hasn't been in use uh, since. Yeah, yeah, and there's a. Um, I went to a really interesting exhibition in the Hague, I think, a couple of years ago, which was about paintings of um, uh, in, in, uh, 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 black people in uh, the uh, 17th century golden age art. And it's, it's fascinating that every kind of portrait of an important person, a landowner or a plantation or no one has a kind of servant or a slave somewhere in back in, in the in, in, in yeah. the back of the uh, picture because because the whole point is that these people when they had their portraits done they wanted to be surrounded by their possessions and of course the people who worked as slaves on their plantations were counted as as uh, as among their as among their possessions it was it was it was a symbol of uh, it was a sign of their wealth yeah so and uh, it, it, uh, what's, also, what's also interesting, uh, I heard a, a, a art historian once say, is that in descriptions about these paintings, uh, these subjects, these black people that are obviously in the paintings are never described in yeah. any sort of description. They, ne- they, yeah. they are always completely ignored, which also um, yeah, um, um, makes you wonder. <laughs> also interesting, I think. Yeah. An economic roundup now. Um, household gas consumption dropped by 17% in the third quarter of 2022. That's ahead of the European Union's target of using 15% less gas this winter to compensate for the loss of the Russian pipeline. Um, have, have you turned your heating down, Paul? I never uh, turned my heating on, actually. Ah, okay. Well, in that case, uh, you're going to struggle <laughs> to you're going to struggle to cut your gas consumption. Then gas usage is 30% below the average level for the last five years, according to statistics from the CBS, and that's partly down to the slump in industry, which consumed 26% less gas, but also, of course, uh, the warmer weather in the autumn. Uh, as you may have noticed, it's now got quite a bit colder this week, and we've got snow forecasts for the weekend, and uh, commercial gas prices have been creeping back up. Gas imports were up by 15%, and the storage facilities were 
were almost 89% full at the end of November. And again, the warmer weather helped, but that does mean we're still well above the EU's target level of having the storage uh, containers 80% full. Hmm. And uh, also inflation fell quite a bit last month too, right? Yeah, overall it did. I mean, the CBS measured it at 9.9%, which is down from 143 in October. And that's mainly due to falling fuel prices. Uh, oil is back down below $80 a barrel, and you can see the effect of that at the petrol pumps. Uh, it wasn't all good news, though, because food bills are going up faster. So the cost of a basket of groceries was 15.7% higher in November mm. compared to last year. And that's mainly because staples like bread, milk and meat have uh, all risen considerably in price, the CBS said. The EU's measure of inflation, which uh, unlike the Dutch method doesn't include housing rents, has the Netherlands on 11.2%, but the month-on-month rate was actually a drop of 4%, which mm. is the biggest downward change in the European Union. Okay, so we are we are number one on this uh, in this regard. Yeah, but only because we had just such, st- such staggeringly high inflation before, <laughs> really. That's uh, the only reason. I'm choosing to ignore that. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it makes you, us you win. You sound like a Brexiteer. So, yeah, Britain <laughs> grew faster than any other nation after uh, economy after COVID. No, yeah, only because your economy dropped by much further than anyone else's <laughs> during COVID. Um, so I reckon this means that things will get better next year. No. It won't. <laughs> Not really. Um, the economic planning agency, Sepe Bay, says household spending power will drop by 4% this year and another 4% next year. Hmm. Uh, the blow has been softened by the measures to help households with their fuel bills, like the energy price cap and the uh, 290 euro rebates uh, at the end of this year. The Sepe Bay expects inflation to be back down to 3.5% by the end of next year, although they say it would be 2.5 percentage points higher without the price cap. But there is a cost, because the additional spending is going to push the budget deficit up to 3%, which is yep. right on the European Union's limit. And the Sepe Bay said the cabinet needs to think quickly about uh, what happens next. Basically, the exit strategy, because the price cap will end at the end of next year. It's a temporary measure. It's not something they can keep carrying on. Uh, and that, and energy prices are expected to stay high for at least another winter. So a structural problem calls for structural solutions, which the price cap is not, said Sepe uh, Bay director Peter Hasekamp. I have to say I'm, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that only now we will reach this three uh, percent uh, budget deficit, uh, considering how much the government has been spending uh, the past uh, three years now uh, on 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 uh, COVID uh, uh, compensations and now the energy cap. Uh, you would think that uh, the, the they would have been in in uh, the budget deficit would have been much higher than that. So yeah, I can't um, remember what it was last year during COVID, but I think this year it's it it, um, it fell again, partly because the governments have been repaid. It, 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 has claimed some of the COVID money it lent back. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but now it's going to go up again because um, yeah, because it's having to spend more money on households, and of course it's also spending more money now on uh, interest rates because yeah, yeah um, they're going up as well. It's no longer a negative interest rate. No. Yeah. Um, so um, speaking of the uh, uh, energy price cap. Um, Everything is going ahead. Uh, we have a green light. We can uh, we can uh, save uh, our breath. We have a kind of <laughs> flickering pilot light. I think um, it's uh, it's not completely cut and dried because uh, Rob Yetten, the energy minister, says civil servants are working day and night to finalise the deal in time for the start of January, which means that uh, yeah, it's going to be a challenge to keep the energy bills down in their offices then if they're working through the night. Yeah. But uh, the sticking point is that Yetten wants to make sure energy companies don't profit too much from the cabinet's generosity because the difference between the price cap and the energy company's rates is being paid out of the government's pockets. And that potentially kind of creates a perverse incentive for the energy companies to raise prices. 
And then obviously, the, ultimately, the bill is all paid by you and me through our taxes. So yes. uh, they want to try and prevent that. And the competition regulator, ASEM, was supposed to come up with this definition of what is a reasonable profit margin by January the 1st. Um, but now it says uh, they can't hit that deadline. So Yetin has extended it to March the 1st. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, I guess the companies can kind of charge what they like. Uh, but go and the government says it will compensate them in full. Energy companies say they protest that they can't say in advance how much profit they'll make because the price of energy depends on external factors such as the weather. And uh, uh, to, to end this economic roundup, there is also some bad news for parents with young children, right? I'm afraid so, yes, uh, because the government says it can't keep up with the cost of out-of-school childcare. And this obviously was a, the issue at the heart of the Tuslachen affair, um, where the government said in the wake of that, that uh, rather than having this incredibly complicated bureaucratic system where you pay um, uh, the uh, childcare facility out of your pocket and then the government refunds you and then accuses you of fraud and takes all your money away, they said they were, they were just going to fund almost all childcare directly. Um, so, but uh, next year daycare centre, so next year day centre rates are going up by an average of ten percent. But um, the government has already fixed the increase in childcare payments at five point six percent. So there's a deficit to be made up there. And the social affairs ministry said it can't change the rate because the tax office systems can't cope with last minute changes. So once again, oh. uh, yeah, the the belasting dienst is um, yeah causing problems. Yeah. So that means the parents are going to have to find the money from somewhere else. So uh, at the same time as of course food, heating, and everything else is going up by uh, double digit rates. Yes. Uh, so this is worse dire straits than the sultans of swings. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. Uh, we uh, never, another. we never, we never thought it possible, but uh, we finally, <laughs> finally happened. Yeah. Indoor trees, Kaspergarten, Coca-Cola trucks, and the ubiquitous top 2000. Yes, the time of year is fast approaching when the spirit of goodwill and generosity abounds. And what better way to show your generosity than to make a small donation to your favourite podcast? Your donations really do help us keep making these podcasts and uh, try to uh, make sense of the news coming out of the Netherlands, as well as serving up the spiciest op-hefs. And speaking of Ophefs, all our patrons will get early access to the Ophef of the Year Awards special episode that we'll be recording in the week before Christmas, so you can relive all the bewilderingly petty online squabbles that you'd forgotten about five minutes later throughout yes. the year. And a patron supporter uh, gets double chance of winning uh, the special Dutch News Podcast of the Year mug. So um, yeah, uh, um, another benefit you will yep. uh, you will enjoy. Another benefit you'll get, you'll get yeah. two votes, yeah. So two chances to, to have your vote ignored uh, <laughs> when, 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 our, when our special guest rigs the result, exactly. as is traditional. Yeah. <laughs> but it is our little way of saying thank you to all our patrons who've supported us this year and a fresh original alternative to the top 2000. And I might add a special coaster uh, to... Uh, a special coaster? You're holding that up and I can't see it because oh. of the light. Yeah, you know which but, coaster um, it is. Oh, yes, the coaster. The yeah. Yeah, coaster. of course. So a mug and a lovely coaster to perch it on. In memory of Zeeslaasijmouden. So, if you'd like to become a sponsor of the Dutch News podcast and give yourself a chance to uh, win all those goodies, log on to www.patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com/slash/dutchnewsnl. Have you heard about the Christmas decoration in the Tweede Kamer? 
I've seen this mentioned. Christmas is officially banned in B67 because they have right. said yeah, that yeah. The, 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 yeah, the sort of the department that uh, is responsible for, you know, the, the, how do you call it, the facilitaire dienst. It's like some building services or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, the facility services. Uh, pff, that's what Google yeah. Translate offers me as a translation. Um, okay. <laughs> they have said that they will uh, will not allow uh, Christmas trees, uh, real Christmas trees in the Tweede Kamer building. Uh, fake mm. ones are the only ones that are allowed. And that's, uh, yeah... Um, uh, that doesn't add to the spirit of Christmas, uh, in my opinion. And worst of all, uh, Christmas lights are also forbidden. Um, so, yeah, nice. you basically can't have any Christmas decoration in the Tweede Kamer, uh, uh, even though this building desperately needs some decoration and some yeah. gezelligheid, I guess. Uh, yeah, but, uh, anything to generate a bit of atmosphere. Yeah. Did they ban real Christmas trees because they were worried that um, uh, former for democracy politicians would, would, <laughs> would pour wine into the pots? <laughs> yes, or, or SGP MPs will put real candles in him even though yeah that isn't to be honest uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't be a terrible tragedy w- wouldn't be an annus horribilis <laughs> for for the tweede kamer but yeah it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, dreadful uh, it's dire straits in the tweede kamer Five cardiologists in Overijssel had an undisclosed stake in medical facilities rented out to the hospital where they were working in, in Zwolle, an investigation by NRC has claimed. The five were indirect investors in Janssen Vastgoed, that's a real estate developer that built the Health Innovation Park, which housed a number of departments of the Isala Hospital since 2014. The hospital currently pays 350,000 euros a year in rent to use the new facilities, but it is unclear if the cardiologist had any say in the decision to move to the building or the level of rent charged. The directors of the hospital were unaware of the surgeon's financial interest because they were inactive partners in the shell company Health Innovation Property, which was set up for the sole purpose of investing in Janssen Vastgoed. NRC reported also that they had given up their stake in the shell company earlier this year after being bought out for an undisclosed sum. A spokesman for the Isala Hospital said administrators had been aware since 2015 that some of its surgeons were involved in Janssen Vastgoed as silent partners, but they didn't know their identities until the corruption investigation began. The hospital didn't view the hire of the medical facilities as an inappropriate conflict of interest, the spokesman added, and the rental contract is due to expire in 2026. And this wasn't the first time that these particular surgeons were involved in a scandal. No, because the same five cardiologists were accused last year of taking illegal payments from a German company called Biotronic uh, to implant its pacemakers and defibrillators in heart patients. Those Germans again. The Germans again. Yeah, and this time with obscure medical uh, procedures. Yeah, Yeah. They'll be forcing their Christmas traditions on us next. You know, (laughs) so put a tree indoors and stick candles in it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, um, NRC and Der Spiegel uh, reported that they had received a total of 3.2 million euros in uh, sweetness from the biotech firm, which is still a relatively low number of money uh, if you compare it to Siewert van Linde, mm. who got uh, thrice as much money from uh, <laughs> in dubious ways. Yeah. Um, the tax office's fraud detection branch, called The Field, raided the surgeons' homes as well as ad- addresses in Germany and Curaçao last summer. The case against the five is ongoing, and the Surgeons and directors of Janssen Vastgoed uh, refused to reply to NSA's requests for comments. Hmm. So the best defense these guys have is that, is that they're not as despicable as Sievert van Linden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not really a high bar, is it? Yeah. No, no, um, it's not. <laughs> 
So on the one hand, we have these uh, heartless heart surgeons, uh, and there's also concern about um, a decision to close uh, two heart units in, in, in hospitals in the north. Yeah, the, the Dutch healthcare authority, the NZA, has criticized the cabinet's plan to concentrate heart services uh, for children in only two hospitals and close the current expertise centers in Groningen and Leiden. There are currently five of these facilities, and they will want to reduce it to two, so they want to close three of them. The NZA is recommending that Health Minister Ernst Kuipers doesn't follow through on his predecessor's plan. Do you remember who his predecessor was? Who was his predecessor? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a completely uncontroversial character, wasn't it? So. Yeah, Hugo de Jonge. Hugo um, de Jonge, yes. Yeah. Who now spends his time mostly uh, uh, posing with construction helmets and uh, and, and shovels uh, in front of cameras in a very unsymbolic yeah. way. Yeah, that plan was to uh, focus services for children with heart problems in Rotterdam and Utrecht. Uh, because of all the risks involved. And while recognizing the need for a concentration of services, the plans as they now stand need to be looked at again because of the knock-on effect, the NZA said. The cabinet had planned to create two centers where doctors can carry out enough operations a year to maintain their level of expertise. But the plan, uh, the uh, healthcare authority says, will undermine access to top-level healthcare in Leiden and also in the north of the country. So we also have this familiar trend where uh, all sorts of facilities are taken away from the northern provinces of of, uh, of the Netherlands. And we've seen that uh, on, on many occasions. Uh, yeah, move to the Randstad. Yeah. So yeah. If, you, if you've got a child who needs a heart surgery and you live up in like, sort of northern Groningen, you've got to go all the way to Utrecht, basically, for, yeah. the, um, for, for the treatment. Yeah. So yeah. you can understand why. I know this has been, this was an issue, I remember uh, last year at the local elections, the municipal elections, there was was quite strong in Groningen that there's uh, not just Groningen actually the whole of the North Groningen Drenthe Friesland saying that you know the fact that they're going to lose the uh, the children's heart unit is a real concern for families living in that part of the country yes um, the cabinet on the other hand says that uh, in, in some of these facilities there are simply too little patients uh, to uh, reasonably uh, keep these uh, specialist child units uh, open so yeah, yeah. it's um, we're probably going to have a um, polder compromise uh, which uh, uh, everyone's got to have the heart surgery in Almira. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For example, yeah, somewhere yeah. somewhere in the, in the in the middle of the country or in the middle of nowhere basically. Yeah, who knows. Now yeah. I think in the end they will probably keep the 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 unit in Groningen open or something because Yeah, probably. Um, yes. Yeah. I think they um and their concerns are, are real and, and well-founded. So, uh, yeah, there's, um, I think that uh, that's that's what the outcome is going to be, but we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, we will certainly uh, keep our listeners posted on uh, the latest developments. In sports news, the Netherlands qualified for the quarterfinals of the World Cup in Qatar by beating the USA on Saturday. Their quarterfinal against Argentina is on Friday evening, which means almost everyone listening to this podcast will already know the results, <laughs> so we won't bother previewing the match. But uh, suffice to say, the Dutch will either have a famous victory to add to the wins in 1974 and 1998, or Memphis Depay will be haunted by video clips of his near <laughs> miss in the last minute for the rest of his days. RIP Rob Rensenbrink. I interviewed Rob Rensenbrink one time. He's a lovely guy, but of course he always gets asked about that shot against the post yes. in 1978. Did you ask him about it as well or not? Of course I did. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> um, do you know, because we, we spoke about the royal family uh, already, but we have, of course, a queen who yes. uh, was born in Argentina. Uh, yes. She is also a, a super fan. A, she she regularly visits uh, uh, Oranje matches together with her uh, husband, of course, who is also yes. a very uh, a sports enthusiast. Um, do you know uh, who's, who she's going to support? 
Uh, well, uh, the government actually put out a statement on that this yeah. week, um, saying that uh, Queen Maxima would be cheering on Orania against her native country because she is a Dutch woman and Queen of the Netherlands. And really, I think it's the least she could do, given that she got her passport through a very dodgy <laughs> accelerated procedure a month before she married Willem-Alexander in 2001. Yes. And uh, subsequent inquiries later established the government almost certainly broke the rules because there was no actual procedure to give the Queen a passport in eight days, which is what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, we were also congratulated by the President of the United States. Uh, Joe Biden um, uh, wished the uh, American team uh, well, and he insisted that it was called soccer. Uh, yeah. So that was that was the joke. I didn't really understand it, but someone explained it to me. And then, uh, of course, the U.S. lost, and uh, Margrethe quote tweeted uh, that tweet with uh, "Football is coming home." Did you not say football one? Of football one, yeah, yeah something like that. It was kind of it was, it was like a sort of troll tweet that had been written by a committee of about twenty civil servants, all having cups of coffee and tiny biscuits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Saying and this then, is what you should type, Mark. Yeah, and then Joe Biden responded with, uh, it, "Shouldn't it be called a football?" Yeah. Uh, which was the Dutch word, of course. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it was apparently very funny. Yeah, a little bit of banter between heads of government. Yeah. Uh, always always fun to watch. Almost as much fun as, uh, as listening to the top trade ads. <laughs> or watching uh, uh, the Netherlands Qatar. Yeah. Of course, the king has now clarified that actually they won't be watching the match at all because yeah. it clashes with uh, Princess Amalia's 19th birthday party. Oh, yeah. Which is also right. on Friday evening. So uh, they now say that they won't have a giant screen in. Nobody will be watching. Um, and they'll probably secretly be hoping that uh, Argentina win because otherwise we're going to have another week of just uh, debating whether or not the king should fly out to yeah. Qatar to watch the final. Yes. And uh, we also had some problems with uh, Moroccan fans uh, last week. Um, was this the same this week as well? Yes, well, uh, Morocco uh, will be playing on Saturday in the um, last of the quarterfinals, I think, against uh, Portugal. They're through to the last eight after beating Spain on a penalty shootout, which could have triggered the usual frothing from politicians and pundits uh, as Dutch Moroccans took to the streets to celebrate. The police said the festivities were mostly good-natured, but riot police did have to step in in Rotterdam, Amsterdam and The Hague to clear the streets of fans who were chucking illegal fireworks around. And they also had to rely on German water cannons <laughs> because their own water cannons were all worn out from uh, overuse during the coronavirus protests. So, do we think these 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 German uh, water cannons also have uh, fire cannons on them as well, or flamethrowers? <laughs> flamethrowers, it could be. Yeah, but I guess that'd be equipped with something because um, the water cannons themselves aren't uh, aren't much cop. So there was some violence in city centres, which is always regrettable, but it was all over by about 10pm. There were about 50 arrests, which is pretty much par for the course, I think, for football celebrations. And nine people have been told to report to the police station at four o'clock on Saturday, so they'll miss the quarterfinal match against Portugal. So they kind of shot themselves in the foot there, although probably not with a Dutch water cannon. <laughs> Speaking of big uh, vehicles, there's also some good news for uh, the Sanford racetrack this week, right? Yes, because the Dutch Grand Prix has been secured for at least another two seasons. Mm which is great news for Formula 1 fans less good news if you actually live in Zandvoort <laughs> and your roads are shut for a whole week beforehand your one road that leads into the town yeah there are two but yeah they need one for, for emergency services yeah, yeah. so yeah. Uh, the head of Formula 1 Stefano Dominicali said the race will be held in the 2023 and 2024 seasons following the success of the last two races both of which were won by Max Verstappen the Dutch Grand Prix returned in 2021 after a 36 year hiatus and has quickly established itself on the calendar as a fan favourite, Dominicali said. 
Yeah, at least you get worth your money because uh, the Zandvoort the circuits is so short that they need, uh, need to do 120 laps or something to complete a full Formula One uh, Grand Prix. The end of the year is in sight and that means that the traditional end of the year lists are popping up. Uh, we want to thank everyone who had the Dutch News podcast in their Spotify rep list. Uh, I haven't seen anyone, but... Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, nevertheless, thank you to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also uh, Google published its annual list of uh, the most uh, searched words in the Netherlands. In 2022, we were apparently most interested in Ukraine, celebrity scandals and games. Ukraine was the most searched word, followed by Jeroen Rietberger, who was uh, involved in the sexual abuse and intimidation scandal surrounding the TV talent show The Voice of Holland. Yeah. I was kind of surprised by that one, I have to say. I'm surprised that Jeroen Rietberger is uh, higher ranked than Ali Bey. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. Or Marco Borsato, yeah. who, is, who didn't even make the top 10 list. Uh, no. Ali Bey was uh, a juror on the show. Uh, he is on fourth place. And Marco Borsato, uh, also a juror, uh, was also accused of uh, sexual misconduct. And Bose, that's the YouTube series that uncovered a scandal, were also popular search terms, but they didn't make the top 10 list. Yeah. Um, we were also interested, apparently, in other entertainment-related criminals, uh, such as rapper Lil Kleine, who was accused of assaulting his then-fiancé, uh, Jamie Vaas, and also Glennis Grace, who was convicted of... I was going to say, I uh, was just about to mention Glennis Grace. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, we, we also massively Googled her. Um, mm. She was, uh, of course, uh, convicted of assaulting employees of a jumbo supermarket in Amsterdam. Yeah. Serial killer and cannibal Jeffrey Dahmer was the subject of a popular Netflix series was the sixth popular search term. Uh, corona remained on our mind with yeah. uh, tester for Tuchang, so uh, testing for access and uh, quarantine rules on fifth and 10th place respectively. Uh, we were also keen on Googling games and new streaming services with Fireplay and HBO Max on third and ninth place. And the New York Times popular word game and also a, a Dutch news podcast team favorite Wordle uh, yeah. was the seventh most popular Term, uh, yeah, and I, I love the fact as well that in between all these nefarious characters, serial killers, people accused of sexual abuse, in eighth place we have Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she died, of <laughs> course, in uh, September, and uh, yeah, yeah. with that, the top ten is completed. Yeah, I have to say that uh, I'm kind of surprised by by a number of these uh, on the top ten list. Um, I mean, Ukraine, I would have guessed uh, Queen Elizabeth, I think as well, but HBO Max, uh, yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer. Via play, I don't know. Wordle, I mean, you can just go to wordle.com, right? I don't know. I guess, I guess people just type the term in rather than the way Google works these days. Yeah. When you type the term in, it brings up the website as number one search. So it's maybe quicker than actually typing in the web address. That's how my parents use internet. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's how my parents <laughs> use internet as well. And then my dad advises me what to type into Google when I'm searching for things, which is great. I have yeah. seen my father <laughs> once Googling www.rabobank.nl. Yeah. searching for that website and then pressing the first hit instead of just typing it into the address. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, boomers, they are mysterious creatures. They are. Which proves the top 2000 list. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, a very good point. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. And if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout on the podcast and access to exciting exclusive content like the Opeth of the Year Awards. 
My thanks to Pearl Peters. I'm Gordon Derrick, and we'll be back next week. This week, Rabobank's Dirty Laundry gets a public airing. No, no, it doesn't. Public earring. Golden earring. <laughs> herring. So, I've still got the top 2,000 of my brain, see? <laughs> Did you say earring or herring? <laughs> Somewhere in between, I think. <laughs> but no, 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 neither was appropriate. Rather, no. rather like an Anne Frank bowl. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>